This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters now. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. Over the years, I have talked to a lot of victims of what I sometimes refer to as big gay tyranny, those Christians who have been sued or jailed or run out of business simply for seeking to be faithful to Jesus Christ and his word and not materially support a so-called same-sex wedding. But my next two guests, Dick and Betty Gertz Odegaard, were victims of this tyranny even before the Obergefell v. Hodges decision to redefine marriage was handed down in 2015, and they have an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness during their trial and in its aftermath, which they will be sharing at our upcoming God's Voice Conference, April 17th and 18th in the Oklahoma City area. You can register today at godsvoice.us. But today I wanted to bring them both on the show to share their story, and Betty recounts it in her book called Standing Tall, Buying a Church Building, Losing a Wedding Chapel, Keeping Our Faith Firm. Betty and Dick, it's so good to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. We Thank are you. we are honored. Well, it's great to have you here. And I'm sure a lot of people will like to know a little bit more about your background. But first of all, I have to say, we met recently at a convention. We, we met face to face. I know we met a couple of years back. And I'm excited to have you on the show because there have been so many victims that I think a lot of people have not heard your story. Do you feel that way, Betty, that not a lot of people have really heard from you and, and what you and Dick went through? Right. We've we've been allowed to share our story a few times, but it is one of the cases that um, hasn't been as, as widely spread. That's right. So tell us a little bit about your background. I'll start with you, Betty. You're an artist. You're also the daughter of a minister. Maybe you could tell people a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, yes, I, I am an artist. That's what I'm all about. And um, that's the reason that we even had a gallery in the first place which we'll get into, but um, yes, and my father was a Mennonite minister, um, so that kind of defines defines me, and, um, you know, I've just been a person of faith where uh, both of us have a strong faith, which guides our lives. Very good. What about you, Dick? You're, you're not an artist necessarily, but Betty says in her book, you've been a great support to her. Well, I, I'm I'm an artist. If you if if you allow me to be an artist with a roller, <laughs> good uh, enough, right? <laughs> uh, my, my background: I, I'm an Iowa boy. Uh, uh, went to school, became a veterinarian, and uh, that's that's the profession I'm still in, of course. And and um, I married an artist, and this is what this is what that gets you. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so but, uh, yeah, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's quite a combination that uh, we we definitely support each other. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the opening of your art gallery. This is the Gertz House Gallery that you started. What did you envision, Betty, when you were first getting started making your dream of opening this gallery a reality? Tell us a little bit of the story of how you happened to open up this gallery in the first place. Sure. Well, first off, we uh, saved a an old stone church from demolition 
because we made a, a backup offer on this beautiful stone church and didn't think we were going to get it. But in the end, um, it did happen to come out our way. And so in this 6,600 square feet, we were going to put in a, a gallery for Iowa artists and my own, of course. And we needed other things to fill the space. And you must have food. So we also had a bistro um, and also a flower shop, a full service, which is another love of mine. So we had a full service flower shop in the basement and a frame shop. Um, so we had a few businesses in our big church. Right. And you tell the story. It's kind of an incredible story how you ended up with that church in the first place. It is. It is. It was definitely God's hand. Well, it's really exciting to go back and look at how God worked in your lives and how that church became a reality for you. So what was your vision for this gallery? It was to support artists. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, you had a bistro, you had flowers and, and, and just a wonderful thriving business. And then in 2008, you added the wedding portion of your business. Can you tell us a little bit about That's that? Right. Well, um, the, the former sanctuary um, initially, we had walls constructed with all the lighting and um, so that we could hang up a lot of artwork. And in 2008, we decided to take those walls down. It was a big decision and so that we could have wedding ceremonies. We knew we had to go a different direction in 2008 with the economy. And so we took down the walls and we offered wedding ceremonies and receptions. And then uh, the following year, in 2009, um, the, the Iowa Supreme Court decided that um, gay marriage was now um, legal right. in Iowa. And immediately following, then the very next day, in fact, that that was passed, we had two gals come and and wanted to have uh, wanted us to host their wedding. So that was a scary moment. I hated to tell them. Um, Dick actually was the one who said, you know, because of our faith, we cannot, we don't feel like we can take part in, in that. Right. So they went away um, angry, and we thought we'd get sued at that time, but we didn't, luckily. And we were able to have many beautiful ceremonies in, in that place that had the perfect atmosphere. Right. And they were not large weddings, but they were intimate and beautiful and we went along fine until 2013, and that's when the hammer fell. Right. So going back to 2009, as you mentioned, the Iowa Supreme Court had ruled that the Defense of Marriage Act, which upheld marriages only between one man and one woman, was unconstitutional. Did right. you have any inkling, either of you, that that would end up having reverberations on the wedding industry in Iowa? Did that even cross your mind when that decision came down? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, you don't. You don't go into the wedding business. Well, you know, we had gone into the wedding business prior to that. And knowing knowing that, we might not have. Yeah, right, right. So, so then, and this was, uh, just to remind people, this was all before the Supreme Court decision of the United States, Obergefell v. Hodges. So this was just in Iowa. So you had a lesbian couple come in and want to have a wedding. You were nervous, though. You said in the book you were nervous that they might sue you, right? And then that never really happened. Right, right. In fact, Dick wrote a letter to the Attorney General to find out what the repercussions could be. And he said, well, you could be sued. 
Wow. Now, now, was there a law in place in striking down the Defense of Marriage Act? Was there a law in place at the time in Iowa that said you cannot discriminate when you host any sort of wedding ceremony? I mean, was there anything on the books that was you know passed in Iowa that said positively you have to do this? Yes, um, there was a law uh, several years earlier that uh, that added uh, sexual orientation and and a whole host of other uh, issues to, uh, in protection of discrimination. Right. So when you talk to those those two women, Dick, did they seem hostile? Did they seem like it was testing you, or what were your impressions when you reflected back on that moment? Well, as I reflect back on it. Uh, you know, I think those two gals were nervous as well. Hmm. And um, I don't they, think they suspected that we would turn them down, though. Yeah, but okay. because in, in the in the minds of in the minds of many folks, if it's a law, you have to do it. And and uh, we follow God's law, the biblical truth, and um, and pay the consequences if that doesn't agree with man's law. Yeah, that's right. So you had already sort of thought through this at least a little bit before that day. And I want to get into that particular day, August 3rd, 2013, when we come back from the break. But it was already settled in your minds then at that point. We cannot do this. We cannot comply with this law. Oh, absolutely. And for you, Betty, the same? Yeah. Yeah. So this, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. When you are, when you say you're a Christian and you say you believe in one man, one woman marriage, which is the only kind of marriage there is, it, it, back then at least, nobody ever thought that would become a problem. And yet here you guys were. We're going to pick up this story when we come back. Betty and Dick Odegaard is our, are our guest. Sarah and Janet Meffer today, we're going to pick it up on the other side of the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Janet Meffer today is proud to partner with Preborn to help save babies' lives. Well, my name is Dan Steiner, and I'm the president of Preborn. Ultrasound truly is a game changer. When a mom comes into a pregnancy center under pressure to abort her child, perhaps the dad's gone, perhaps her mother is pressuring her, most of the time in her heart she doesn't want to abort, but what she needs is something that will give her the strength to choose life against the pressures that are forcing her to consider abortion. That's the ultrasound. If she hears her baby's heartbeat and sees that baby on ultrasound, everything's different. Will you join us in saving babies' lives? Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Meffer today to support the ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. A gift of $22 will provide one ultrasound, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly 
towards saving babies. You can get involved and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Let's do more than talk about abortion. Let's save some lives. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, we are talking with Dick and Betty Gertz Odegaard. They have an incredible story to tell. They'll be speaking at our God's Voice conference coming up April 17th and 18th in the Oklahoma City area. And you can just get in with your early bird discount today if you go to godsvoice.us. We hope to see you there. This is another example of LGBTQ tyranny. And this is what we are highlighting this year at God's Voice. It's very important, I think, for Christians to understand what is going on across the culture in the lives of individual Christians who are just trying to live out their faith in Jesus Christ. So we were talking a little bit, Dick and Betty, about your business, um, the Gertz House Gallery. Arts and framing was part of your business, a flower shop, a bistro. Then you had this decision handed down by the Iowa Supreme Court in 2009 saying that marriage as defined only between a man and a woman was unconstitutional. You had this law in place, as you said, Dick, that said you can't discriminate. So you had a lesbian couple come in right after that and say, we want you to hold our wedding. You said you can't. We're Christians. But then you say, Betty, in your book, Standing Tall, on August 3rd, 2013, everything changed for you guys. Can you pick up the story from there? What happened on that day? That's right. Well, I um, I had just had foot surgery, so I went home. I think God protected me. Um, we had received an email from a couple of a, a guy, and we didn't know what their you know often are the inquiries did come by email, and he was just inquiring of, of dates and was a particular date open. Well, just naively, we said, of course, it was open. And he inquired about a time to come and look around. Well, he came in on that Saturday that I had gone home. And Dick, why don't you take it from there? Well, yeah, the, um, he entered, and um, this was just shortly after our lunch hour, so we're busy wrapping things up. Uh, customers were still in the facility uh, enjoying dessert and that sort of thing. So, um and, and plus, he came in with a with another fellow, and and just because a, a a gentleman inquired about the wedding venue, we were suspicious that it might be a, a gay couple because normally it's the bride that that communicates those things. Right. And um, so, but there, the the two fellows um, uh, were there. Uh, we talked. They didn't disclose what the circumstances were. Uh, I filled them in best I could because we had we had uh, customers there, and I wanted to be as discreet as possible. And finally, I just had to ask them, uh, "Fellas, is this a, a gay marriage?" And they said yes. And I and I explained to them that that we could not uh, provide that service. And um, and that's when the that's when the lawsuit was filed. As a matter of fact, that was a Saturday. And they filed the suit by email uh, to the Iowa, uh, the the um, excuse me the the Iowa Civil Rights the Commission exactly the Iowa Civil mm-hmm. Rights Commission I'm sorry yeah. uh, on Sunday so the 
in those few years after this law was passed, the, the gay community got very organized, and, and uh, they immediately uh, responded with a suit, and, and the... Um, and the social media went went crazy on us. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever done a count around Grimes, Iowa or, or the vicinity, but how many options do people have, generally speaking, for wedding ceremonies? I imagine there are plenty of churches and other venues, but do you feel like maybe you were sought out specifically by that couple in order to set you up a bit? Or, or do you feel like it was just happenstance? Well, you know, I have never, personally, I've not thought that they set us up. I think that after the fact, they used, you know, um, they used us for, as an example, but I don't know if they actually set us up. Some people think that the way it rolled out that they did, but I personally want to believe they didn't. Right. Well, now, when you spoke with them, did they seem at all understanding? What What was their reaction when, when you explained to them, we're Christians, we mean nothing against you, we don't hate you, nothing like that, but we just can't, you know, participate in a same-sex union like this? Did they seem at all understanding, or what was their body language like or their facial expressions like when you were talking to them? They were not at all understanding. Not at all. Yeah, so nothing. That's so, interesting. And, and, and to and to and to explain, they they apparently had an arrangement with a with a different venue in a, in a small town north of us, and that place closed. So they were they were behind the eight ball as far as getting something set up, mm. and, and I believe all that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we found out later through the litigation that they they were already married. Really. Um, <laughs> when they came in. And, uh, wow. And and they and and. So as soon as they filed and signed their complaint, they they um, they um, uh, were in were in uh, they had a they had a problem with the state of Iowa, but the state of Iowa proceeded with the case. That did not seem to matter to them. So. That's amazing. Now, do you did they did they actually get married prior to requesting your facility, or did they get married during the course of litigation? They were married. They were married about. Um, I would say about six months before they came in to ask for the venue. Boy, that's that's hard not to see that as a setup, <laughs> given right. those circumstances. I know. Yeah, they got they got married in a, in a private ceremony, maybe by a JP Justice of the Peace, and, and so they wanted a public ceremony. That's that's um, I think the way Betty is uh, is uh, rationalizing their their motives, but uh, yeah. Nevertheless, that's not what they that's not what they requested. It was for their wedding. Right. Right. Okay. And then after this occurred, after they left, you talk in your book, Betty, about how you started receiving these really vile emails. And it seemed like the gay lobby was just very much organized to come out against you. And you printed Uh some of those actually in your book. And I thought, boy, this sounds like a lot of mail that I've received over the years. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm kind of used to it, but I know exactly how you feel when you first start getting those sorts of messages. You're just like up against the wall going, what in the world? Oh, this is horrible. What was it It like? Yeah. It was shocking. I I had never heard of this happening because we have never been in the position for us to receive that. And and I didn't know other people had been, you know, we were just not prepared for it. And it started the very next day. It got around so quickly. And by Monday, it was national news. Mm. 
Amazing. And here you are, you're just trying to have a nice business, right? And all of a sudden you're in the media firestorm. Right. Right. And and the first response, of course, was to respond to them. And and, and that takes you down a rabbit hole very rapidly. And you're, you're better off just letting it, letting it go and, and, um, the vile messages. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the emails. You just wanted to reach out to them and try to explain who you really are. Yeah. Because we're not those hateful people. We don't hate them. You know, that is not our... Yeah, our quite, quite the opposite. The, the reason we our, our faith doesn't allow us to participate is because it's wrong. It's biblically wrong, right. and, and, and we, would not, we would not do that to our own children. And right. We wish better for we them. Want, we, yeah, exactly. We don't want to perpetuate a sin right. and celebrate it. Right. Exactly. exactly. When you look at that time period, though, when you were in the tornado of getting all those terrible messages, what do you think you really learned about the gay lobby? Just out of curiosity, what sort of insight do you think you gained as to the political and really the spiritual ideology behind the movement itself? Yes, spiritual. It is a spiritual warfare. Let me tell you, in fact, Dick said, we have looked the devil in the eye because it was so hateful and so brutal. You cannot believe that another human being would do that. What's interesting about about that, Janet, is that we found that the the advocates, the supporters of the gay community were more vocal than the gay people themselves. Hmm. As a matter of fact, um, we got some we got some letters and and um, uh, of apology from gay people for for being treated as we were. Wow! But a lot of that treatment was from the from the uh, apologists, so to speak, of the gay community. Goodness! And, and you also got letters from Christians, didn't you? Saying, "Oh, we're, we're ashamed of you. You shouldn't be doing this." That that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was very hurtful. Yeah. Very hurtful. That's amazing. So unbelievable. You know, you'd think we, they would totally support us, but not so anymore. Yeah, not so anymore. It's it's a shame. What about your employees? I mean, did did you have any fears that you would lose some of your employees? I mean, you had other people around you in real life. How did they all react to it? You know, I happened to have such a good crew in those days, and um, in fact, most of them were Christians, and that was happenstance, and God just placed them in, I think, at that moment in time. Um, it was very difficult for them, but they they hung with us, and it was tremendous. Well, that's wonderful. So then two cases, as you recount, came out of this. You had the Iowa Civil Rights Commission complaint that these two men filed against you guys. And then you had a lawsuit as well, right, which ended up being dismissed? Right. We attempted to to file suit against the Iowa Civil Rights Commission for our own religious liberty. And um, and that was dismissed by the... We could tell the judge really wanted to take it, but this was a this is a precedent-setting case for the for the uh, administration for the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, and um, it, they just had to let it play out uh, hmm. through that they felt through the administrative process. Okay, so and we right. wanted to pursue that further, and we would have, um, but we had to stay open in order for them to pursue that, and it became obvious after 
a couple of years that we were not going to be able to stay open long enough to um, see that through. Goodness. Well, that that's the really heartbreaking part of the story, but there is a lot more to it. And we're talking with Dick and Betty Ogard about their story that is recounted in Betty's book, which is called Standing Tall, Buying a Church Building, Losing a Wedding Chapel, Keeping Our Faith Firm. We're going to take another break. We'll be back and hear more of their story here on Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters now. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. Great to have you with us and great to have with us Dick and Betty Ogard. They will be telling their story of what they went through as far as LGBTQ tyranny, which is the subject we'll be addressing when we have our second annual God's Voice Conference coming up April 17th and 18th in the Oklahoma City area. Today is the last day you can get an early bird rate, so better get over to our website. It's called godsvoice.us, godsvoice.us. And I appreciate you both so much because I think that these testimonies of how people have faced these sorts of difficulties under big gay tyranny really serve as motivation for other Christians to stand strong like you both have. And we, we were talking about how your gallery came under fire, your Gertz House Gallery in Grimes, Iowa, came under fire because you were hosting weddings and then you had an overturning of the Defense of Marriage Act and the legalization of so-called same-sex marriage. And this led to a legal battle. Now, pick up the story, if you would, Betty or Dick, uh, this story of the legal battle came about when you had these two homosexual men filing a complaint against you with the Iowa Civil Rights Commission. What happened from that point on? How did the course of that legal complaint play out? It seemed very slowly. (laughs) At uh, at that point, uh, we we were defended by Beckett Law out of uh, Washington, D.C., an awesome group of people. Yes. And, and the way they operate, they, they keep their clients very quiet. They want to control the message to the press. Uh, and that's, that's a bit different than other, than other uh, legal firms. But uh, we love these people. They did us a, a, an awesome service. There's no way that we could have afforded to defend ourselves had it not been for them and the gracious uh, contributions by other people. Yeah. Uh, so, so it was very, very quiet. Um, as a matter of fact, it was so quiet, people thought the case was over. And, uh, or it went away. Or it went away, and, and it wasn't. I mean, he, here we were in turmoil, and people were, were thinking, you know, we, got, we, we needed support, and we weren't getting it, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. And, that, and that's very hard. But, um, and, but at the same time, we weren't pulled through the press like some of the other cases were. Exactly. Right, and that was important to us because we we actually had a division in our own family disagreeing with disagreeing with our position, oh, our immediate family, and that was probably the the, the toughest struggle of yes. all, and um, and that division still exists to some degree, but but God's grace has brought us all closer together, and that's that is just awesome. But if it would have been for the 
it, it, that would that situation would have been far worse if we would have been um, put on a pedestal every other week on TV or whatever. Yeah, and um, it, it would have just it would have just made that division in our family worse, I believe. Oh boy, that's and that's so hard. I mean, in addition to having the weight of what you were going through on your shoulders, now you have to deal with people in your own family not truly understanding your stance. That's ah, uh, I feel for and you. And we had to do it alone. Yeah. 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 You know, we we did not have much support. Um, we lost our church, or, you know, we, we silently left because we knew they didn't support us. <laughs> and so that, that was difficult. We just didn't have the support system that we needed at the time. And that was a Mennonite church, of all things. Wow, that's amazing. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly right. Amazing is the word. It's just amazing what what has happened to our churches in this country. Amen to that. I was born and raised a uh, Lutheran, uh, the, the, uh, the old American Lutheran or ELCA now. Yes. And, and I do not recognize that, that church anymore. It is just totally different. Yep. Yep. They have a rainbow flag a little bit above the cross in the ELCA oh, now. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really a tragedy. So uh, oh. with this, I'm curious with the legal battle with the commission, we do have yeah. a first amendment and, and when they talk about you can't discriminate, that has to be weighed against the first amendment, which says that we have freedom of religion as a God given right. How did that aspect of the case play out as it went along? Well, you know, it is the Civil Rights Commission. Right, and, right. <laughs> and, you know, that, that is a big problem all over our nation, are, and, and we can address that later, too, because, you know, they, they skew so far to the liberal side of things that our outcome was pretty much a given. Hmm. Right, so you right. didn't in have... Other, in other words, it was a zero-sum game. Right. Uh, they gained rights, we lost ours. Right, right. So, so how how they interpreted that with the First Amendment, I don't know. Yeah. And that's what we were trying to, uh, that's what our countersuit was all about, was to um, visit that First Amendment and, and, uh, and, and put some wisdom in the, in the discrimination uh, claims. And, and um, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that for reasons I don't fully understand today, but uh, uh, nevertheless, um, our cases, our cases closed, but we aren't done. We aren't, we aren't finished with our getting our message out and 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 guiding other people through this. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So you felt and like I think something yeah. that needs to come to light is the civil rights commissions around our nation. Um, we just heard recently that the the Aikeny mayor. We we live in Aikeny now. Aikeny, yeah, Iowa. Yeah. Yes, the Aikeny mayor is um, being forced to uh, organize a civil rights commission for Aikeny within the city. Yeah, hmm. and he's really dragging his feet. He says, "I have a lot of people on the left chomping at the bit to get on the committee, but I really need somebody on the opposing side." And there's the problem. There you go. There's your opportunity. You guys could both be on the commission. <laughs> I, I might approach it with a bit of bias. Maybe we need to. <laughs> That's okay. The left will approach it with bias, too. What's the difference, right? <laughs> Indeed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it is It is really distressing, and especially when you were facing this, you know, commission complaint, and you kind of felt like the fix was in, and there was no way you were going to win it. So what was it, $5,000 you ended up having to pay as a settlement? Yeah. 
Right, right. And and here's the beautiful thing. Yes, it was $5,000 um, that we sent to the, the two gentlemen, but we got a check in the mail. The Beckett Fund put out the information down their pipeline that this was the fine, and we received a 5000 check in the mail to pay that. Wow. That's from somebody great. in Hawaii that we have never met. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, God's Beautiful. provision. That's wonderful. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, when it got to that point, how long did it take you guys to decide we can't do weddings anymore and then get to the point where eventually you closed down your gallery? Well, I think we knew pretty much immediately that, that there would have to be a change. We had quite a few weddings on the books, and we wanted to honor all of those. And plus, we feel, felt like, well, let's fill up the year with as many as we can get, you know, with a few. If we just go forward, probably um, trying to seek out some information before we said yes. And that is exactly what we did. We we answered the phone carefully. And um, I told my staff, any wedding inquiries, just uh, refer them to me. And so I... I just had to carefully proceed, and we did have a few beautiful couples who were in favor of what. In fact, we had a few come to us because of what happened, Mm. and they wanted to support us and have their wedding there. So we continued on for 2013 and all of 14 because we had weddings um, lined up for 14 as well, and we decided in the year 2015 we would have no more. So that meant that we weren't going to do flowers for any um, other site because we also did off-site wedding flowers and decorations, and we felt that we had to get out of all of the wedding business. Otherwise, they would come after us for those, too. It's just so sad. I, I mean, and this this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that this cost you way more than just, you know, the annoyance of having to go through a legal battle over this oh or filing lawsuits. I mean, when you're talking about what happened in your family, when you, ha- when you talk about what happened with your employees, when you talk about eventually having to close your business, this is what this LGBTQ tyranny results in. And this is why it's so outrageous and why we are so adamant that Christians need to stand up and we need to stand up for our religious freedom. We're going to come back with Dick and Betty Odegaard. Standing Tall is Betty's book. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Back in a moment. Story Company comes, I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe reminds us that amidst life storms, true hope can be found in Christ. He chose to walk into the fire with her. That's what love is. If one person's life is changed by what I go through, it will all be worth it. I Still Believe. Starring KJ Apa, Britt Robertson, Shania Twain, and Gary Sinise. Rated PG, parental guide suggested. In theaters March 13th. More information is at istillbelievemovie.com. The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? 
Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. If you're a medical professional, here's a way to move from success to even greater significance. Mercy Ships has an urgent need for pediatric registered nurses. You'll be joining dozens of volunteer medical professionals who've been blessed by the opportunity. I think all nurses should do something like this. To serve the unserved is one of the most beautiful experiences. Get more information by visiting mercyships.org forward slash nurses. Mercy Ships, bringing hope and healing to the world's forgotten poor. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. This hour of Janet Mefford today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe, based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp. I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, now playing. More information is available at IStillBelieveMovie.com. Well, I am honored to have with us a couple who will be at our God's Voice conference in person. You're not going to want to miss them. It's coming up April 17th and 18th. A biblical response to LGBTQ plus tyranny is the focus of God's Voice this year. You need to be there and hear their story, and they're here to give a little preview. And Betty Odegaard is out with a book called Standing Tall, Buying a Church Building, Losing a Wedding Chapel, Keeping Our Faith Firm. And her husband, Dick, is also joining us. So we've kind of gone through what happened with your story, with your Gertz House Gallery and how you were forced to close after going through this legal battle over not hosting a homosexual couple for a wedding, which brings us to probably the most important part of the story, at least from my vantage point, Betty, when I read through your book, and that was what the Lord was doing in your life the whole time. Because you talked about, you know, the loneliness that you felt and the, you know, having the church not understand and having your family members sometimes not understand. And you even say, Betty, at one point, you just wanted to die. And that just broke my heart. I mean, can you really tell people a little bit about the emotional toll that it took on you and how the Lord strengthened you through that? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm quite open about it. You know, I'm, I'm an artist, and so melancholy is not a stranger to me. Um, and I, I have dealt with de- depression all my life. But this brought me to a completely different place, the darkest I've ever been and for quite a, a long period of time because it, it was devastating and it just destroyed me because it, it took something away. It, it took our business and family and friends and, um, you know, we lost friends over it. Um, and it, it just, it was so powerful. I could see no way out. And even though I had my faith, I just, I could not get out of my deep depression and people who don't haven't ever dealt with depression, it's hard for them to understand how it just totally physically and emotionally just attacks your whole being and you lose hope for anything. Wow. So that's that's what happened 
to me. And thankfully, Dick is very strong, and he held me up. Um, so he he held both of us up. It was hard for him too, but um, he dealt with it differently than I did. Right. So yes, I I did pray to die because I saw no hope in my future. Wow. It's so sad. How did the Lord lift you up out of that? How did you finally come to a place where you could say, despite my trials, I can be thankful for what God did in our lives? Because that, I mean, that that's a big jump from extreme depression to saying, Lord, thank you for this trial. Yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, there were periods of time when I knew that, well, I knew the whole time that God was with us. And, and the only reason that I was here to talk about it was because of what has God has done for us. But, um, it, it was, um, you know, I had, I had better days. I just put one foot in front of the other and I did thank the Lord for that day and tried every day to find something to be thankful for. So, you know, there were periods of time that were good and, and some not so good, but yeah, slowly God just brought me out of it. That's good. Dick, what about you? What were your thoughts during the whole course of this trial? Oh, boy. (laughs) We're going to run out of time. Big big question, I realize, yes. (laughs) Well, my my big concern, of course, was was Betty's welfare. And, um, and, and you know, you're never too old to grow up. And I I came to realize that... that, um, the problem was that the, the gay folks were being told a, a, a lie, and and I came to to, to hear about and, and learn about Restored Hope Network and other organizations that that are um, are helping folks out of the the gay lifestyle, and, and which tells me that they aren't born that way. Uh, in, in other words, uh, the Bible is the truth, and these folks are the proof of the truth. Yes, and and we started to focus on that. On that hope and that 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 um, and, and those organizations and, and that has inspired us so much. Yeah. It's it's ac- it's actually given us a a whole new uh, reason to to to, uh, to proceed. It's it's just incredible what what these organizations can do. And, and what's heartbreaking is that we we start hearing about laws that are trying to prevent this from happening. And, and the reason that is, is because it'll, it'll display the truth. Yes, right. And, and um, so it's, it's, it's been a journey, and the journey continues, quite frankly. Well, it does. And, you know, as we have discussed before off the air, this is exactly why we're doing God's Voice Conferences, because we know the power of the gospel to transform lives, regardless of what your sin is. Jesus can transform your life. And we have people all over. Yeah, we have people all over the country who are living proof of that. Our good friend Stephen Mm -hmm. Black, who's been part of our God's Voice Conference from the beginning, has been set free from homosexuality for over 30 years. He's a father and a grandfather and just a wonderful Christian. And and there is hope for people. I'm curious, too, to go back to something you had brought up before, which was what you guys went through, obviously, has become a problem all over the country. There are all kinds of victims like you guys, different stories, but the same sort of experience. What would you want other Christians to know about LGBTQ tyranny and the effect that it has on Christians and why Christians should care about this as a whole church and not just individuals who've been directly affected? Sure. Well, that's probably why I wrote the book. I wanted to inspire people to let them know that that 
in spite of what we went through, what, what how dark it took, you know, the the dark tunnel it took me to, that there is hope and and that God will bring you out of it, and God will stand by you and reward you because of it, and we have been blessed beyond belief because of um, because we have stood strong, yeah. and I cannot I cannot overestimate. And uh, in fact, I can't even find the words to explain it. <laughs> You're doing it great. has been tremendous. Yeah, yeah. What What about the need for churches to get behind mm. victims like you, churches to stand strong on this issue, loving people because everybody is made in the image of God and everybody's a sinner, everybody yeah. needs Jesus. But when you talk about your church turning its back on you, I hear stories like this all the time. What about, what are your thoughts on the need for churches to stand strong on the word of God when it comes to the issue of homosexuality? Well, yeah, they, they need to go back to the word. And and it's quite you know it's quite simple, and 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 the folks don't have to be in business to be affected by that by the the tyranny that's out here. We have we have uh, grandmas and mothers sitting in the in every pew and in every church that has a a cousin or a nephew or a, a niece that's uh, living in the gay lifestyle, and they're, and they're nervous as can be about if they get invited to a wedding. Right. You know what do they do? Right. And and we've I, I, that is probably the most frequently asked question of us uh, after we've given a, a, a talk to a, a congregation, for instance. It's um, everybody needs to stand tall. Yes. All the grandmas in the world. Right. Well, this goes. Yeah, and and the title of your book, Betty, is Standing Tall. You talk in there about how this was. Got, the name is also of a painting. Can you talk a bit about that? Oh. I would love to because it's such an incredible story. Um, that morning, without knowing what was coming at us, we had, you know, I was totally innocent that morning. And I had hung a, a couple of paintings. And naming paintings is always, I don't know, it's a conundrum for me. And I, um, they don't come easily. But I had about five that I titled that morning. And they just came to me and the one I had painted of uh, uh, birch trees, a close-up of the trunks of birch trees, and standing tall in a forest was uh, just a perfect title. It was. And then the next week when we were doing a, a um, news interview, um, our local channel came out and I grabbed a cup of coffee before the interview and went into the gallery just to pray about the interview and went right to that painting. Mm-hmm. And that right. name just struck me. It was a total, totally different title now. Yeah, it took on a whole new meaning in light of your experience. Right. Well, I, I just want to encourage people to come to God's Voice Conference. You can go to godsvoice.us. You can meet Dick and Betty Odegaard, hear their incredible story, which they'll be telling when they appear at our conference. And we're so honored they're going to do it April 17th and 18th. And again, the website is godsvoice.us. Please register now. You'll get your early bird rate. Last day is today, so you'll want to be there. Dick and Betty Odegaard, so wonderful to have you here. We're delighted you're going to be coming to our conference and I can't wait to see you again (laughs) thank you so much God bless you both and we'll see you in a few weeks thank Thank you you. thank you very very much thank you for joining us on Janet Mefford today we always appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next time